This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. That was, that was beautiful. Thank you, Marcus. I have to, I have to smile. We got a great text message in from one of our parishioners. <laughs> Said, do you ever stop, this texted me while Marcus and his brother were singing, do you ever stop and think, Lord, how did you give me a sound guy with a brother who can play guitar as well and has an amazing voice? And my, my comment is, I think it's God showing off. So, so thank you guys very much. Great to have the two of you here, you know, sharing today with us. And today's going to be a really, you know, an uplifting service. That's what we want. We want to just leave here uplifted. And I'm going to sit down over here and sort of give the context, you know, in terms of why and, 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 and why we need to think about this daring to imagine. So I'm going to sit down over here for a second. So I was listening to NPR this week, and, and they had a professor on. And he had this amazing, amazing, amazing study that he did, and it was sobering. So what he does is he collects tweets. For those of you who don't know, that's, that's Twitter, sort of 143 characters, whatever it is. People like constantly saying things out there into the universe. And, and his university, they collect millions of these a day. And then they break them down by language, like language that's happy, that's sad, et cetera, et cetera. So they get to sort of, they use that almost like a, like a thermometer. How's, how's the nation doing? And it was interesting. He said before 2020, and nobody would get this, but I, but I, I kind of get it. It was interesting. He said before 2020, he said, do you know what the saddest day they'd ever measured was? And again, they've only been doing it probably for, for 15 years or so, but you know what the saddest day they measured was? It was interesting. It was the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. Isn't that interesting? Like all of us remember that, I'm sure. And, and it was just interesting that that was the one that had ranked the saddest. Now, here's a sobering statistic for you, friends. Since March 1st, 2020, he said they have measured sadness levels that surpassed that 30 times. Are we living in a little bit of a challenging time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Life constantly moves through phases of construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. Constantly moves through phases of construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. Sadness is such a part of, of when, when things start to fall apart. Some of them very necessarily so. I'm going to say that. Some of them very necessarily so. And as we're in that phase, as we're in those challenges... We constantly have to be reaching as high as we can, or the sadness will get us. And it doesn't mean that the sadness is bad, or that we can't be sad, or that we can't be upset, or we can't be angry. None of those things are true. There are definitely times for that. And at the same time, we also have to be reaching with an and towards what we hope to establish as a brighter future. That's what this series is about, daring to imagine. 
And that's what I want us thinking about. What does it look like as, as we are trying to be daring to imagine? I feel like it's something the churches are, are right in the middle of. We're, we're trying to recast this and we're, as, as well as, you know, I think synagogues, mosques, I'm sure we're all doing the same thing. How do we continue to try to like reach out for those ideals, those, those, what, what is called the better angels of human nature, the better angels of human nature? I think I've said this next phrase almost every service for the last month, the beloved community. The better angels of our nature, the beloved community, how do we keep on reaching for that? I think the only way we really can do that is is imagination and and faith. Uh, You know, this is what faith is in its simplest form. And I've used this example before, but I know we got a lot of people tuning in. Uh, You know, faith is the belief that this is actually a tree. <laughs> That's what faith is. Now, if you're not familiar with acorn seeds, you don't believe me. But trust me, with care, with sunshine, with water, with the right soil, this is a tree. There's the definition of faith right there. To do that, as part of this series, you know, a line that I've loved, I've used it in here before, is this particular line. This was from the, the man who was the bishop of our church uh, before the current, uh, you know, several bishops ago. And uh, it's a beautiful quote. Without imagination, regeneration is impossible. I remember hearing that in a sermon. It was totally blew me away. Wait, you know what? So, so imagination, like you can't regenerate. In other words, that's, that's the word in the new church for recreate. It's the biblical line, a heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. You know, our heart of stone breaks apart and breaks open into a heart of flesh. You know, love comes center. That's what regeneration is. That's where we're recreated, where love is in the driver's seat now. And none of that can happen without imagination. That's fascinating. I think for a lot of us, we might read that, oh, regeneration, recreation can't happen unless we're perfect. How many of us are perfect in here right now? (laughs) None. Online, none. But we all have this gift. Folks, everyone watching today, whether you're watching now on live stream, on Facebook, whether you're watching later on from the day, later on the day, whether you're watching Germany or Ireland or Vancouver, you all have the gift of imagination. None of us has the gift of living life perfectly. But we all have this incredible gift of imagination. That is what makes rebirth possible. That's what makes it possible to live into the better angels of our nature and the beloved community. And just because it's possible doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) I think we all know that. So I'm going to step back over here. So I want to talk about this concept of imagination and how things can come alive. And what I want to do is I want to give you context for it. I want to talk about kind of what's the issue might be. And we're going to have a question here. And the question is one on the next slide. The question's here. What will pride, fear, and self-love, quote unquote, protect you from? I'll explain this in a little bit more, but I just want to go over it quickly. What will pride, fear, and self-love, quote unquote, protect you from? 
So folks, it was great even just seeing on the chat. I'll be going over some other answers as they come in. Just two that popped up that I thought were great. Knowing the truth, it will protect you from knowing the truth. It'll protect you from needing to change. (laughs) Those are good ones. Those are good ones. And just think, like, that's what our ego does. Our ego protects us from certain things. And we'll be, again, we'll be going through a list of those in a little bit. So please keep texting those answers in. But it's important for us to just, just think about that and to think, to think, yeah, and how does that sort of keep us from imagining? Like if our ego's in charge, we can protect ourselves from all the truth, from the need to change, from all those things. We can protect ourselves from that. But is that good? And is that what God has in mind when he promises us that new hope and that new imagination and that new heart? So the, the story I want to do is it's a story, and I want to sort of start out with a quote here. I was texting a friend right before the service, and I was saying, this is a quote you're going to love. I love this quote. And anytime, I'm always a little like cautious saying I really love something, because I realize for some people, they'll read and go like, ah, oh, that's not that great a quote. But, but someone else may love it indeed. I love this quote. It's, it's, a, it's a paraphrase of a new church definition of imagination. Imagination. To envision, and think to envision life with love fueled by hope. Imagination. To envision with love fueled by hope. I would take a screen capture of that. That is a great quote. To envision with love fueled by hope. Because it's important to say that there's some kind of imaginations that just aren't that good. How many of us, raise your hand, have a bad imagination take over at about three in the morning? (laughs) I don't know anybody who says, yeah, Chuck, my best ideas, they come between two and three when I wake up and worry about the kids. You know, that's just not, that's just not how it works, right? That's not, that's not how it works. That's, That's a bad kind of imagination. Imagination is a tool that can be used either way. But when we really breathe into it, I'm going to ask you like to breathe into it here. So it's all good breath. Imagination, where we learn to envision with a love fueled by hope. And I think you could flip it as well, a hope fueled by love. That is a pretty profound definition of what imagining looks like. It's important to know that as we do this, you know, as we try to reimagine, try to move forward, from a, from a new church angle, it's, it's not that we're helplessly corrupt and we can't find our way out. It's, it's that we're unfinished. We're not corrupt. We're unfinished. And so our job is to just keep on moving forward, you know, as, as best we can. So what I want to do now, folks, I want to read for you a story. Now, this is a story. Actually, I, I used it not that long ago. I only used it about a year ago. But it, but it just speaks to it so well. I want to come back to it again. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, it's a, it's a quote we use all the time here at New Church Live with biblical stories. It's, it's, you never step into the same river twice. In other words, you never read the same story and get the exact same message out of it. So we're coming at a, a story we know, or some of us know, and, and we're coming at it a little bit different way. And also important to know as well, many of you know this, that, that we read the Bible poetically. We don't read it literally. 
So what that means is we see this as a poetic story and that poetic truth is actually more true than factual truth. And the poetic story here is the story of the creation of the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. And it's a story about the creation of, of Eve, of womankind. And we don't believe it's actually a story like about, oh, this is how women were made. We believe that it's, it's a story about how we're made. You know, that, that there's two parts of us and, and that this is that Eve part of us that's incredibly beautiful and incredibly important to have as a part of our life. So with that, let me read it to you here. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man, and that's Adam, gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. We're going to look at that deep sleep part. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman and she was, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. It's a beautiful line, that whole idea of like leaving. And this was a very patriarchal culture. So the whole idea you were to leave family and, and, and create this partnership, that's, that's just beautiful in and of itself and a whole other sermon right there. I want to talk for a minute about that, that deep sleep. Like what is, what is that deep sleep? And I feel like it's, it's a sleep that we all know something of, that we all know is part of our lives. We all know that it's something that we wrestle with and we wrestle through. And this is how New Church holds it. This is what we hold that sleep as meaning. It's the place where we, were un, where we are unconscious. The place where we believe we are fully independent. Think needing no one else. Completely autonomous, unconnected. Can you see the connection to that quote to that first question? In other words, we're asleep when our ego's in charge. When our ego's in charge, we're protected, quote unquote, from all kinds of growth, from all kinds of ways that the world can live and move and change. And here I'll, I'll share a couple with you that, that, people, that people have sent in. Uh, pride, pride, fear, and love protect me from, from, oh, this is really good. Protect me from giving the positive impact I can ha have on others. Uh, protecting us from growth. Uh, helping us, uh, protecting us, becoming your most powerful, creative, loving, caring, and authentic self. This is a good one. It protects us from joy and the, debil and the ability to be present with the ones we love. Protects us from the warmth of community. It's a false protection from reality. It protects us from getting close to, oh, this is so good. Protects us from being close to others, being loved by others. This is a good one. Even being hurt by others. That interesting, right? Because people get hurt because they love. If you absolutely can't get hurt in life, you think that you're bulletproof, you're probably not in a terribly loving place. Just saying. <laughs> 
protects us from the disc. Oh, this is so good. The protection of the discomfort of the uncomfortable but necessary com- conversations. And there's a bunch of other ones there too. Thank you folks for sharing that for those I was able to share. It's really important, right? And you can see where, where if we're protected, quote on that, quote unquote, if we've hunkered down behind those walls, of course we're asleep. We can't be awake. So here's God and God's mercy. And God's saying, yeah, I have to pull something out of you. Like literally I have to pull this, this thing that is, is just dry as a bone. I'm going I'm to pull it out of you and I'm going to create a new life, a living, breathing, beautiful part of you that's going to come to life. Now the famous Christian poet, Christian Wyman, an amazing poet, you get a chance to read some of his stuff, well worth it. He, he talks about this and talks about it in, in a beautiful context here. Here's some of Christian Wyman's words. The spiritual efficacy, effectiveness of all encounters is determined by the amount of personal ego at play. If two people meet and disagree fiercely, and this is really important, folks, especially in times like this, if two people meet and disagree fiercely, but agree silently or otherwise, that God's love creates and sustains human love, and that whatever else may be said of God is subsidiary to the truth. Just want to sit there for a minute. So even if you really disagree, but you agree that love is at the base of all things, you'll be just fine. That's what he's saying. Next slide. Then even out of what seems great fiction, there may emerge a peace. And again, think of the difficult conversations here that, that somebody texted in. Then even out of what seems great friction, there may emerge a peace which may not end the dispute or where either party may be convinced of the other's position, but nevertheless enters and nourishes one's notion of and relationship with God. That's beautiful. In other words, you can disagree. You are allowed to disagree. Just keep loving each other. Without this radical openness... All arguments about God are not simply pointless, but pernicious. For each person is enthralled to some lesser conception of ultimate truth. That's beautiful. So we don't have God in there and love in there. We're just, we're just enthralled of something that's not the ultimate truth. And this last line is so stinking beautiful. And what do we do when we do that? And asserts not love, but a lesson. Not God, but themselves. Asserts not love, but a lesson, not God, but themselves. You want to see what it's like to assert a lesson? Open up your Facebook feed right now. (laughs) And you'll see a bunch of people out there asserting a lesson. That's not it. It's about how do we continue to assert love? How do we continue to assert God? How do we continue to assert the better angels of our nature? How do we continue to assert the need to move towards the beloved community? That's what that is talking about, friends. And we need to ask ourselves just personally, like, where, where are you? Where am I? Where am I seeking to assert not love but a lesson? To assert not love but a lesson. This is the sleep that God is gently waking us up from. And we're going to use this word gentle actually a fair amount in this series. Just so you know. 
Gentle does not mean that we don't speak truth where truth needs to be said. It doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations. It doesn't mean that we agree with other people when, frankly, we don't. It means whatever we do, we do with love. And a big flavor that love always carries with it is the flavor of gentleness. Gentleness that's echoed in these beautiful words from James. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. I love that, slow to speak. Quick to hear, really, really quick to hear. Slow to speak, though. Slow to anger. Receive with meekness, and you can use the word gentleness there. Receive with meekness or gentleness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's good. It's really good. That softness where the, where the word that's, that's, I mean, this is kind of an amazing part that's already implanted on your soul. Where it can be heard. We can feel that stirring in our coming to life. And what is it then that God coming back to this story, what is it that God wakes us to? So Adam wakes up. And now he's got a partner. Now you've got a, got a doubling. You've got a, you've got a partnership going on. What is that partnering there? That partnering is this. It's a living autonomy. An animated sense of self. It's an autonomy that's not ego-driven, me, myself, and I. It's an autonomy of somebody who is with a beautiful orchestra and who is just loving, playing as part of this orchestra. And they, yes, of course, in the back of their mind, they know they have talent to play this particular instrument, but they're far more enthralled with the surrender to the music than the building up of the ego. They're surrendered to the music, not to the building up of ego. Folks, that's where life takes off. That's where that living autonomy just goes, and we become more than the sum of our parts. That's what God is asking us forever to strive for. And the beautiful part, as we read the Bible, that is what God is doing. That's why we do church even in a certain sense, is to experience that living autonomy where we feel the power of the collective that is surrendered to the music, but each of us bringing our own beautiful gifts that are ours alone to bring. That's what a living autonomy is. A living autonomy, folks, really important. What it does is it, is it places us here. I don't want to talk about a living autonomy like as, as something that's way out. You have all experienced what it's like to be part of a living autonomy. I was working with a couple yesterday and, and, uh, you know, great couple and they were chatting about, you know, how life changing experience it was for them when they went down and worked at St. Francis Inn. That's experiencing a living autonomy. Where yes, you're an autonomous being moving forward as of self, but you've joined a much greater song and you're playing your part. And somehow the ego goes, and just in playing your part, something happens that's far greater 
than if you just stayed at home on Facebook figuring out what do I want to proclaim next. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, let's look at this next slide. That's where we start to touch imagination. We literally put our hand on things that we can now imagine. Because we're out of that protected place. We're in that place of living autonomy. As of self, that surrendered self, that can touch imagination in this brand new way. One author I was listening to this week and he said it, and it's, it's just so true, and it's so painful, and it's so true, and it's so painful. He said, over these years, this guy's the head of Princeton Theological Seminary. Over the years, what he's learned, most significant thing he's learned, is that it's just not about you. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's so hard. It's just not about you. Again, that couple who serves down at St. Francis Inn, it's, they just, it's just not about them. They're there to serve, and that's, and that's where we align ourselves with God more and more fully. It's funny how that works, you know, when we can, when we can touch imagination. And, and, and we, can, we have to learn again, I'm going to stress this now, shifting a little bit, is we have to learn to, to press that imagination into the present, it, it, yeah, of course it has a part of us sitting in our lives right here imagining what life will be in 20 years. But the reality is, how many of us know what life is going to be like in a year? Does anyone in here know what life is going to be like? I don't even know what's going to be like in six months. If you do know, please let me know. Because I don't. So there's got to be a piece of imagination that draws us into the present and, and allows this, allow, draws us deeply into the, into the, the present, the imagination there, and the hope and the faith and the envisioning from a love fueled by hope, like love fueled by hope right there. And how do I find that, that imagine that world right there and, and then start to expand it out? I want to share a, a story with you from yesterday. So um, yesterday I had a wedding. We're going to see a wedding picture here coming up at the end of the service. I had a, had a very small family wedding, uh, as a lot of people are doing now, which was, which was beautiful. I decided I wanted to have a clean car when I went to this wedding. So I stopped to get my car cleaned, go through, and, and the backstory to this is a number of years ago, I'd gotten my car serviced somewhere, and, and I pull out, and I realized that whoever the tech was had stolen all my change, you know? And we all know, are those quarters, like, totally the most important things in the world at certain times in your car? Yes, you know? Like, they're incredibly important. And I was just, like, frosted. So go to get my car clean, back to the car wash. And, uh, you know, it wasn't this place that had done that. I should say that as well. And the car goes through the car wash, and they come out to where the guy's vacuuming. And I can see him. So I'm here behind a window, and his, my car's there, and he's got the door open towards me. All my change is right here. And I'm just watching. I'm looking. Thinking, as soon as that guy, like, hell hath no fury if I see him reach in and grab all my change. And, and so guy gets done, I give him a tip. I didn't see him take anything. And this is this folks, this is this is true. So I go and I sit down. There sitting on the seat, the passenger seat, he had found a quarter on the floor and he had put it on the seat. Oh. <laughs> see, that moment, my imagination 
could have gone and did go a certain negative way, but then I see that, and then it, then it just brings up this whole new set of imagination. Like, what if most people really are that? Just like that guy. And the amazing part of what he did there is because it was part of living autonomy. Like, I would have never known if he picked a quarter up off the floor and put it in his pocket. The only one who knew that he did that was him. And me. And he obviously wasn't doing it for any praise because he wasn't saying, sir, thanks for the tip. By the way, I left you a quarter on your floor. I mean, on your seat. That's where we're supposed to, I think, ground it in the present. Why are we supposed to ground our imagination? And when we hold that as a hope fueled by love or love fueled by hope, when we ground that, that right into the present, like let's, let's think about the imagination right here, right now. What it can be. Why does that matter? Listen carefully here. Because that's where your relationships are. Why does that matter? Because that's where your relationships are. Your relationship with those you love is not in the ghosts of the past, even though it can feel that way a lot of days. Your relationship with those you love are not projections into the future, though that can feel good and sometimes terrifying. Your relationships, where we're to have that imagination, hope fueled by love, love fueled by hope, are here and they're now. And our job is to live into that as best we can. So what does that mean? We have to learn how to dream with a faith and a trust, with love fueled by hope in the present. Again, this whole sermon was about how to dream. We want to know how to dream? Do this. With faith and trust. Coming back again to that acorn seed is a tree. With faith and trust. With love fueled by hope. In the present. Right now, what does that look like today? What I think we start to learn is this beautiful idea, this beautiful little sign. Take a look at this next little sign. Today's special. All right? Now, some of you, when you saw today's special, you're thinking of your favorite diner. And the word meat and the word loaf and the word gravy somehow coming together. That's what we think of as today's special. We want to see, what is today's special? I want you to please think of this. When you see it, now that we've gone green and you're out working, and you see uh, you're out doing your life, maybe you're going to have an outdoor whatever, outdoor barbecue this afternoon or whatever in a place, and you see the sign, today's special. Instead of reading on, stop right there. Stop right there. I don't need to worry about what today's specials are. I'm just going to focus on today's special. I get to live with imagination, faith, hope, love, gentleness right here. That's special. And that relationship is here and now that I'm going to live into with it. Now, 
I'm going to give you homework. By the way, it's just, it's so funny because I'm used to doing call and response, but I'm trying not to do that <laughs> with people today because I know online we've got a lot more people online. So what I want you to do is I'm going to give you, give you a little, little homework here for fun. So what I want you to do is I want you to pull out your phones. All right. And what I want you to do is I want you to, to go to your, to your, uh, to your pictures. All right. And I want you to flip back five pictures. And if you arrive on something like, uh, I don't know, shrubbery, keep going. <laughs> five, five more. So you go back five till, till you get, till you get to a person, till you get to a relationship. And I want you to look at that picture. And I want you to imagine and dream in the present right there. Like, what's, what's the dream right there? What's the picture? What's the relationship? How can it just be like fed by imagination, faith, hope, love, enlivened by all those things, dreams? Like, like how can it just be enlivened just a little bit today? It was fun when I did this exercise. This was the picture that came up. For me, I, I, when I did this wedding yesterday, the, the bride was showing me her bouquet, and underneath her bouquet, she had pictures of her two grandmothers on their wedding day. They've both passed, but she had pictures of them that she had on her wedding bouquet. See, that's the beautiful part, folks. You see, that's, that's it, like right there, like, like they're right there with her. She's getting married. That, that's the kind of imagination. That's, that's the dream in the present. That's where we find our way. So the takeaway for today. Touch that place of that living autonomy. It's a place of surrender, but it's the place where you know your true self. Find that place. Allow that place to breathe. Center yourself in an imagination out of that place that is very much here and now. Not then and there, or not way back then and there, but that's here and now. And even looking at that picture, just let your mind just like, go. Go into the imagination of this moment and this day. Because my last words, friends, this, this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Last closing word, and then we're going to do a prayer. Again, I'd, I'd warmly invite you folks, uh, if you want to join the, the Zoom group, just to chat about the service, what struck you. You could share your, I had some people already sharing their fifth picture, which is great. Uh, you have a picture you want to share with, with those folks on the Zoom, please feel free to. If you want to like chat with me, uh, feel free to as well. And folks, just church is a good thing. Thank you for being part of our congregation and for doing your part to make this such a wonderful, wonderful place. Thank you.
our prayer. We're going to do a prayer, and the, the brothers are going to be giving me a little, little background here. And in this prayer, you'll, you'll have an opportunity. I'll do a prayer, and then we'll have some moments. You'll just start hearing the, the, the riffs from the song they're going to be doing. In the moment, to just again thank and meditate on it or say the Lord's Prayer as, as you know it. Um, you know, just, just kind of starting to think through, yeah, what does a life of, a, of imagination really, really start to look like? So as we hear, as we hear the guitar starting here, just go ahead and join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, help us to find ways towards that living autonomy. Help us, Lord, more and more to find your breath in your way. Help us to live towards something, not towards something that we hold off way off in the future, but a heaven that is found here and now. Lord, help us to remember that we are in, as we always say, we are in the worlds that we are to heal now. We're in the life we are to live, difficulties and all, now. We are, the pe- we are with the people we are to love now. We're even with the people with whom we are to struggle now. Let us have hope in that, in the faith and trust that what we know is it's all part of your holding and your picture. Be with us, Lord, on this week ahead. Bless everyone. Keep them safe. In your name this Sunday we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 